crocodile man, a witch woman, a guy yeah. that can set himself on fire? Right. Are you blind? <laughs> and she's like, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are in line for a popcorn. Hey, third person in line. What kind of popcorn do you want? Yeah. I'm okay. gonna click! I'm All right, put it. down my resignation! Bro, and you're a better toilet <laughs> fixer than we know. <laughs> Welcome to the JR Talk Show. I am one of your hosts, Robert Burry, joined as always by John. Hi. And Rowan. Yo. Um, this is our first week back after a very long hiatus because of Rowan. Yep, I disappeared. <laughs> so uh, we'll be, should be back to normal. Um, if you guys want to find us on various sources, we've got it up on YouTube, on uh, SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes. So if you guys want to give us a like, share, subscribe in those places, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, so first, we're going to go through mainly the news that's kind of new this week, even though we have skipped a lot of weeks. Um, it just felt like we'd be talking about news forever if we went through everything that we had missed. Oh, yeah. Uh, so some of the newest stuff this week, uh, one of the things that broke recently was, uh, Lord of the Rings TV show for Amazon. Yeah. So what do you guys think? I personally just don't care. <laughs> Cause like, like, like we, already, we already got a good, like Lord of the Rings yeah. series. If they just, if, even if it is like a spinoff doing just do general token stories, like spinoff stories, the similar one, whatever. I just don't care. Cause mm. we already got this good solid story to look at. Even if you'd like to prefer the animated ones, like I just don't need anything else. So if it if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, I don't care. Yeah, I'm curious what story we're going to see or hear. I mean, from the news I heard, it sounds like they want to do Lord of the Rings. It's not a Middle Earth. It's a Lord of the Rings retelling. So they're just going to redo the movies. Is what they want to do? They like want to do. Uh, they want basically they want to do what Game of Thrones has had done, which is a long form telling of the books. Granted. So, I'm I'm kind of split on this. One, there's a ton of plot from the books that you know they just couldn't put in the the movies. You of know? course, yeah. but also at the same time, like you're gonna have a really I just don't know if it's gonna translate well to that medium. Like I don't know if there's gonna be a lot of intrigue or like how you keep the energy going in a lot of it because a good amount of those books is about the travel and the characters. And there's not, like, the movies did a good job of condensing that down to the critical, like, dramatic moments. Yeah. I, I just, like, I, I, I want to know how long, how many episodes, how, like, how many scenes, or, if, like, the length of it. Because if they are trying to do, like, a Game of Thrones thing, like, I, how, how are they going to end each episode? Is it going to be, like, a, uh, you know, like a cliffhanger? Is it going to be, like, a, like, oh, Bilbo just left. End of first episode. Uh, I guess. Like, right. Well, they can't uh, even do Bilbo left at the end of the first episode. Like, if they're going by yeah. the books, like, it would be, it wouldn't even be until like halfway through the, like, you know, if you're thinking of like, they're trying to do it in one season, it'd be like three, four episodes in. If it's like <laughs> multiple seasons, it'd be like the whole f first half of the first season would be him hanging right. out. Because like, the book doesn't start for Fellowship of the Ring until like several hundred pages in as far as like the actual journey yeah and uh, you know like there's a whole like frodo's moving out of the shire and he's moving mm -hmm. like he's disguising his leaving as a like moving away and that whole thing and then you have you know tom bombadil and yeah the rights and all yeah, that stuff leave like the shire proper yeah for, like you wouldn't we wouldn't half. see like aragorn until like the mid-season finale yeah right like mm. that would be like <laughs> 
Buckleberry and Bree would be mid-season finale almost. Yeah. But I mean, I like the idea of of the possibility of its retelling. But I, you know, I was watching the Fellowship of the Ring again last night, and it still holds up. It's so good. It's still it's so good, yeah. and it's just like, I don't know if they will have the budget. And I'm really worried they'll go in the kind of the line of like the Hobbit and kind of like the current areas that uh, we're seeing is just like massive amounts of green screen, yeah. no sets, uh, digital orcs. Like I, I want the prosthetics. Yeah, and I would I would assume that you know for what it would gain in length, it would lose in quality. Right. Which I don't think we need. I don't think there's like you know like obviously there are pieces that are missing. From sure. the books in the movies. But like the Tom Bombadil thing is like a weird part of that. <laughs> like <laughs> Sure. And um, it's great. There's yeah. good stuff in it. And like it's interesting parts, but like necessary for like what the actual journey is, not at all. And we all know how it ends. Yeah. Like Game yeah. of Thrones, like the main yeah. thing that keeps uh, people coming yeah, back true, is that true. like what's gonna happen, yo. And I think that like they, th- I think it would be best suited if they just did a like Lord of the Rings or like just a Middle Earth show, not yeah. the, not Lord of the Rings. It could be something else. It could be the Cimmerillions. It could be if I would Cimmerillion would be weird. It's like a show. Yeah, that, yeah. No, 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 it would no, be no, interesting. No, 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 no. But I get what but you're like, saying. But like, just like find one story and embellish it that like Tolkien just threw away. It could be anything. He's mentioned so many different stories that he doesn't go into detail about. Just pick one up and play with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah one, it's like you can even have. Like, if you really want to, like, stories that are going alongside Lord of the Rings, you can yeah, have sure. some of the background stuff. Because I just, yeah, I don't understand retelling the same story. If it was, like, a situation where, like, we didn't have those Lord of the Rings movies and we had only, like, the cartoons and stuff. All four. Yeah, it would make perfect sense. But, like, or if we even had a cinematic universe that wasn't great. Right. Like, if they redid The Hobbit, I'd be way more on board for that than... Which would make even less sense as a TV show. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't really. I don't feel super Uh, strong about it. I'm gonna wait till I see more. Yeah, I I want to know what they're taught. What what the story is. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off before I I banish them to the. No, (laughs) because Amazon's (laughs) production quality is pretty solid. I mean, like Man in the High Castle is really. I was gonna ask you about that because I was concerned about budget and yeah. There's nothing wrong production quality wise. Yeah. With Man in the High Castle. And the first, I've only watched the first season. Yeah, but it doesn't have Balrogs and Orcs in it. So Totally. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't have creatures, but it does have. It is sci-fi, and it does yeah. have a large like yeah. set pieces in it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty solid in that regards. But yeah, it is a whole different. Whole different beast. You know, yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, so me and John have finally subscribed to Movie Pass. We've tried it out it's pretty awesome it's fantastic uh recently they changed their terms of service in a very key way yeah i saw that uh so before it was basically 9.99 and you can see as many movies you want a month one per day so you could see up to 30 movies a month you know uh theoretically um now they've changed it to if they want to they can cancel your membership if you watch too much (laughs) <laughs> they have never said why why yeah. <laughs> they they haven't said like any limit number like they haven't given a number or anything they just said if you have high usage we have we reserve the right is basically what they changed in their terms of service they just changed the wording there hasn't been at least any so far reports of people getting their subscription canceled it kind of makes sense because 
$9.95 for unlimited movies seems so no, no. low. It's, 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 it's like, like profit-wise, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I do remember some people were talking about um, that there doesn't seem to be a limit to like just saying how many memberships one person could get. So like if you if you were trying to scam it by getting multiple MoviePass memberships and using those uh, like because I remember people were talking about some people were selling uh, part of their memberships per day for a way cheaper price to people who didn't know about the service. And so they're worried that like huh. maybe these guys are the ones are are uh, they're, going they're keeping an eye yeah, out for. But it's one of those things I never heard of these guys. So that seems crazy. Like, it could, it, seems it like a whole like true. I don't know. That seems like a whole extra level of like steps to go through to purchase a ticket. That I you, you don't save that much money. No. Like obviously, like if someone's selling a ticket for five dollars on like a normal day with their movie pass, and you like buy it either through Craigslist or whatever, like. I guess but that seems like a weird way to buy a ticket. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you need your uh, and like it would be weird because rim ticket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there'd be some dude hanging around a theater because you have to be within a certain distance <laughs> to buy the tickets. Just like sitting there, like on his phone all day, and like, are you gonna are you gonna see a movie? No, no, no. I'm just selling movie tickets. What? <laughs> like, what a weird step to go through. But I mean, that makes. I got two. I got two for uh, Blade Runner tonight. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it kind of makes sense, but it's. Very interesting that they're so kind of taking a step back and be like, maybe we made this I was a gonna, little too good of a deal. Actually, right before I saw this news article, I was actually just about to buy my movie pass uh, because I'm now that I'm back in the States, I was going to like jump on that because it seems great. But I do admit, reading that line in there, I was just like, what are you doing? I don't trust you. I mean, it totally makes sense. But well, what definitely, do you have to worry about? I You're know. not going to go watch a movie every day. I know, but <laughs> it was just like definitely like a gut instinct like moment of like, what you trying to pull on me, huh? But no, I mean, it totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I just think that it's funny how much like people's attention is like, what are you going to do? Yeah, and I mean, one of the things in the article that I read on uh, Cinema Blend is where I saw that. Uh, they make it very clear that if the price changes, they'll let you know kind of thing. Um, I'm assuming it might be preparations for if they're having a lot of issues and they can't solve it, they might introduce tiered pricing ones where it's like, Hey, you know, four movies a month is $10, uh, 10, oh, ten movies a month is, you know, 20 or something like that, you know? Right. And that makes sense. Um, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done really anything like that so far. Cause it's always been unlimited has always been their thing. Right. But it's just been lowering the price to figure out what the sweet spot is for people. And they may have dropped it too much and compensating <laughs> yeah. for it. Um, so moving on. This was something that I wanted to talk about because I thought it was interesting. Have you seen Blade Runner yet, Ron? I haven't. It's actually on my list. I'm, okay. I'm going like I'm going in the next couple of days. I, in Europe, I try to watch it three times. Every theater I went to was in a different language. Oh, really? And oh, uh wow, really dubbed? Yeah, dubbed. And I was like, I can't watch Harrison Ford with a French accent. That's super like who, funny. who dubs Harrison Ford? That's pretty funny. Yeah, like, I didn't know they did that immediately. For yeah, no, it was really weird. Like, I thought it was like going to be just subtitled, but it turns out that in at least in Portugal and in France, they already have dubbed versions. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm an American. This is an American <laughs> screen. <laughs> These come from my homeland, sir. <laughs> well, it's just so funny because it's just it's it really seemed like weird. Like, especially version. with like Gosling and Ford being such like recognizable actors. Like, is there a Gosling and Ford Frenchman? Who like are literally well, their they, job uh, is to be them on French. I remember I can't remember what the films. movie is, but there is one person who's like known 
Oh, I was on a movie one time where uh, one of the actors was, man, I'm going to sound bad because I can't remember what nationality was, but he was European in a language where they speak not English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, wow. Oh, so oh, my God. Do <laughs> I speak English? <laughs> I don't even know if I can call it. But um, he was known to be like one of the bigger like voice actors for like the Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. So like they had, he would follow specific actors. Right. Like, so if this person did this, he would be the one to do the dub for it. Essentially. Right. So they kind of almost do have like a guy who's Harrison Ford's dub person. Right. So it's really interesting in that regard. Um, we're not necessarily going to talk about the movie at all, as far as like spoilers or anything, but just the idea that it did poorly at the box office. I'm really not surprised. Me neither. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> reading these articles was blowing my mind of people being like, oh, we don't know, like we don't understand why it's like bombing. It's like such a great movie. I was like, do you guys not remember like the original Blade Runner? Right. Like, I, I think especially one thing that stood out to me was the marketing. Um, the marketing for the new Blade Runner really focused on the original audience to Blade Runner. It really, yeah. a lot of its marketing was like, you love Blade Runner, you cult following. Yeah. This is for you. You saw three different versions of the same film <laughs> until we got it right. <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm Blade Runner is one of my favorite films of all time. I'm super stoked for this this version. And I definitely, you know, like, none of the trailers gave any plot. Like, I was sold on it just because it was a, like, sci-fi Blade Runner, you know, like, cyberpunk movie. Like, I will go see that, yes. But... For most audiences, like if you don't give them anything outside of the fact that Harrison Ford looks like he's just been on a cocaine bender, like they don't they don't know, and like, of course they didn't go see it. Like, yeah. what are they? What are they supposed to go see? I was super surprised that it was one of those things. Like, yeah, you can give something like this a bigger budget, but it's like entry point is so narrow still because of how like hard sci-fi it is right because it's not like a star wars sci-fi <laughs> no no you know <laughs> so it's cerebral. hard sci-fi it's like, all motion all yeah yeah it's there's you know minutes <laughs> and minutes of time where there's no dialogue exactly where it's just you know yeah. atmospheric music slash you know the like sound uh, and so it's just really like i was just so surprised when people were like writing all these articles i was like what's was this supposed to be like the biggest hit of the year? Like, I mean, there was a lot of marketing. There was definitely much more marketing for this than I can imagine there ever was for the first Blade oh, Runner. Yeah, for it sure. But it was still one of those like, yeah, you've. I mean, you have a built a cult following over, you know, the thirty years or something since the first Blade Runner came out. Mm. But like, it's still like a cult following movie. Like, even if it's built up over time, like it's, it's like, still going to be small. It's like uh, I love Tron. And mm. when Tron Legacy came, I was like, oh, that's dope. Tron Legacy, this is supposed to speak to me and everyone else that watched Tron and loved it. But it's one of those things, like a lot of my friends, they never seen Tron. So they were like, oh, this is going to be some crazy uh, light neon action movie. But when you watch it, it's like, no, there's a lot. There's kind of a sort of a lot of lore to the first one. They really kind of kind of know to really enjoy it. And a lot of my friends that didn't see the first one didn't like it. Right. And I remember, because we watched uh, Blade Runner for uh, the new one, uh, probably the same week it came out uh and i watched i haven't seen the first one so i watched it i watched it a couple days before and i'm thinking i don't get it (laughs) like it's pretty it sounds good i just like i just didn't understand the cult follow like i know i I understood the cult following i just didn't understand the adoration it has for like just for it in its entirety and so as soon as like the first one started playing halfway through i was like okay 
this is movie is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it really isn't for everyone. Like it is yeah. such a slow movie. Like I, every time I have shown that movie to people, I'll, the first thing I'll say is like, this might not be your movie. Yeah. Like I think they do do better with the new one. Sure. For yeah. sure. It is more approachable, but it's also still at the same time. If you haven't seen the first one, <laughs> still not approachable. Right. Just purely because they, they do pull off stuff. Uh, very similar to like how Tron does it. Yeah. Where like, you don't necessarily need to know the whole thing. Cause they, kind of give you you know like it's what a different happened. story different narrative but yeah at the same but time. like you really <laughs> kind of really do need to know the, like well, it's one. like also just like sci-fi has a history of not doing well in the box office yeah like with the exception of star wars but that's, well star wars but star, you, know, you know like star wars is, is a fantasy film yeah. right really it's a fantasy adventure film and like you know look at interstellar yeah it didn't do well and yeah, in comparison to his other stuff. Other like, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you look at any hard sci-fi film, and it really doesn't draw the audiences. They're, they can go on to become cult classics or mm-hmm. even be, like, mm, like listed as some of the best films ever made. Yeah, they're, but they're, they're still, Oscar movies a yeah, lot of times. Yeah, they don't make well. the the box office. Yeah, it was, uh, I found it. I found it just funny because like everyone was freaking out about it and it was just one of those things like I don't understand from the marketing standpoint where like the people who are marketing didn't get that this wasn't going to be a big thing either like obviously getting Gosling and Harrison Ford back those are going to cost you a lot but they had some other big actors in there too like they spent a lot of money on that movie and like it shows for sure like the production quality is amazing the music and the like just visuals like Roger Deakin shooting of course is going to make it look (sighs) amazing yeah and so give that man an Oscar. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. But yeah, it was very like very obtuse for the person who's not they're like they see Harrison Ford, they see Ryan Gosling like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go see this movie. I can't imagine people who just like went on a whim to go see that movie enjoying it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh no way. Remember I god, remember I looked at my watch hat literally half an hour and a half into that film, like and I looked at you and said, We have another hour and a half of this goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. It was late when we saw it too, because it was we went and saw like at like eleven o'clock, uh, and we didn't yeah, get out till was, two o'clock in the yeah, morning. That's not a good time <laughs> to go see rough. that movie. I, I, yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten seen it yet because I'm gonna take my uh, girlfriend to go. We need to watch the first one before we see it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah for sure. <laughs> but I, I remember Ian saw it, and I got a text from him as soon as it was over, and he's like, "You have to watch it as soon as you get off the airplane. <laughs> like as soon as you step onto on foot into American soil, you must watch it." <laughs> that's so. funny. Yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. It's just, it's definitely very much like the yeah. first one. Yeah, so if you like, really enjoyed yeah. the first one, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Oh, I'm going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of the last thing to talk about is not really much of a topic, but just how many movies are coming out this month and oh like how busy it's going to be. Um, obvious, some of the things, one already out being Thor, mm-hmm. um, but also we've got uh, Justice League coming out. Oh, I, I totally forgot. I still, I can't, I still right? can't believe it's, it's so coming out this year. Yeah, it's the week after next. Um, we've <laughs> got <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express, which I am oh, super looks stoked so about. Good. Yeah, that's next week. So it's actually the week after next is Justice League. Um, I'm actually really excited for Daddy's Home too. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is fine. It's okay. But just adding the two dads in Mel Gibson and... Um, what's the guy from uh, Third Rock from the Sun? What's oh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. <laughs> like having them as like their dads looks incredible. Um, we also have uh, Coco is coming out mm-hmm. this month, the new oh, Pixar yeah. movie, which I'm really excited for. Um, there's a lot of biopics 
coming out too and just like kind of documentaries in general there's one about uh election day last year and there's also a lyndon b johnson uh movie coming out um there's what's the one that what's it called uh, uh jim and andy the one with uh jim carrey mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah so there's a lot of really interesting stuff and a lot of like oh darkest darkest hour too which is the um Winston Churchill one yeah. with Gary oh. Oldman becoming oh. a whole other person. Again. <laughs> <laughs> just add, add it to the list of characters that he's got. <laughs> Shapeshifter. Yeah, right. Um, and then you got like the Immortal Blade, which is the the uh, oh by uh, Takashi Mike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some cool stuff coming out, and then there's next a, week, I, I mean, uh, next month we'll have like Star Wars and stuff. I'm pretty excited for it. A surprising amount of like big action oriented films for November. Like I yeah. feel like November is not usual. I feel like Novembers are kind of like indie darlings, not big enough for a December release, but like are still going for the you know. And we've got quite a few well, of those, especially to have Thor and Justice League both in the same month when those really seem like summer blockbuster movies. Yeah. Um, to have them pushed even just so that you know. Well, I I just imagine they know that there's like Lord knows when I think of watching a movie. A lot of times, so like in terms of the year, I think of during around Christmas, right? And December, like, and so like, and so like, so like, like starting now into the next year, even to like in the beginning of next year, it's like, yeah, I'll probably be watching these movies if I like them again and again, unless uh, Star Wars takes over all the. Oh years. shit! <laughs> I forgot about Star Wars. Yeah. Well, and then man, man, you hear, about, you hear about their weird uh, contra- uh, uh, contracts with theaters, as far oh, as like yeah. what, how many screens they have to have, how many showings a day they have to have, or else mm. they'll like pull them out actually no they charge them more they charge them extra yeah, yeah. <laughs> which sounds crazy it's one of those things where it's like but they can do it man they can do whatever it's, they want <laughs> and Star it's one Wars. of those things where honestly for the theaters probably won't make any difference yeah like no. if anything it's just gonna it's make them more money yeah. <laughs> like exactly although they are charging theaters more this year look at the look at the list five percent look at the list of november films i was just like thinking of like the executives of uh movie pass I'm going like, oh Neptune, <laughs> <laughs> right? I think that's. I think honestly, this time of year, there. I think that's why they added that in there mm. because I'm, I can imagine with, you know, because they released that during the summer, and I still like. I texted someone the other day. I was like, hey, have you heard about this thing? And they're like, oh, what? I'd never heard about this. So there's still like a lot of people who aren't like in, you know, paying attention to like online uh, movies and stuff like that, different like subscription services that don't know. And I think now it's starting to really snowball where a lot more people are yeah. finding out about it and especially during the time where big movies are coming out and people are on break you know you imagine with uh thanksgiving and then christmas like people are gonna have a lot of time to go to movies and there's also a lot of different movies being released all at the same time mm-hmm. so there's a lot of opportunities for people to go see multiple movies and all of them be different not just you know seeing the same movie over and over again yeah no for sure and i think that man just it's november is gonna be crazy I know that so many of those films are just gonna sink. Like, oh, yeah. Under- <laughs> yeah, there's there's an unfortunate. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> Some of them are gonna be bad. <laughs> well, bad, not even but... like bad. There's like it looks like there's like too many films, right? It oh, looks yeah. like like yeah, a lot of ones that are definitely gonna get way overshadowed. There's, there's gonna be a lot of like I was looking at that list, and there's a lot of films that I never even heard of that yeah. sounded great, but like they're just gonna get crushed under the weight of the the big well and it's like you poles. even have the big ones and I, honestly i would say that even some of like the more indie ones <clears> are going to get crushed out by some of the other indie ones like murder on the orient express 
I think for anyone who's going to go see a movie that's not like a big blockbuster one is going to take the legs out of a lot of those other ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because that one's got people in it, especially it's got Daisy Ridley. People are going to know Star Wars. It's going to, you know, they're going to know what's going on with that movie. It's got Johnny Depp in it. Like, then you have stuff like Thelma. You have, uh, and then, I mean, The Star, which is an anime movie, which Coco is just going to crush. Crush. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just interesting, you know, uh, the Roman J. Israel Esquire. Um, it's just gonna be interesting to see how it kind of how it plays out because it's almost too much. Yeah, almost. But it'll be fun to see how it turns out. All right, so that's kind of the news for this week. Um, we are gonna be moving on to our meat and potatoes. Uh, this week we are going to talk about a series called Over the Garden Wall. Um, it was originally a Cartoon Network series. Um, we kind of wanted to bring it up because this time of year, it's just a great time to watch it. Uh, oh yeah, it the is. fall it season. Fall. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, we we're trying to think of like kind of things to talk about as far as like bringing up multiple things, but over the garden wall is just a series on its own. I think is something that is criminally underwatched. So true. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. Like almost no one knows about it. Yeah. Unless you're a big cartoon fan. Well, yeah. I knew I knew that they were releasing it, but I still just never watched it. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, they release it kind of, they, like, will reshow it every once in a while, but, like, less and less as um, the years go by. Um, so it was originally broadcast uh, from November 3rd to November 7th in 2014. Um, Gosh, so It's been that long. Yeah, three years <laughs> ago. Um, so it was originally um, written by Patrick McHale, uh, who was one of the creative directors on Adventure Time. Um it's got Elijah Wood in it. Um, you've got Colin Dean, uh, Christopher Lloyd's in it. Uh, and then you even have Breaking Bad. What's his name? I mean, there are a lot Main of people character in Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston does some of the intro, mm-hmm. like, narrations. Oh, is he, does he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's a really cool little series. It's 10 episodes. Um, it follows uh, Wirt and Greg. Uh, Wirt being voiced by Elijah Wood, uh, Greg being voiced by Colin Dean, who's a, I don't think he's really ever done anything else major at least, um, but he's the little brother. Um, as they travel through this kind of colonial America kind of like fantasies. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing show. Like, I remember when I first was introduced to it, I had not heard about it. And I, one of my good friends was like, you have to watch this show. And like sat me down in front of a TV and we just started watching it. And I still think to date it's probably my favorite singular animated show. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> no, 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 totally. And, uh, it just does a good job of it. Just like something about Cartoon Network's current shows. They do a good job of like on the first episode. It does. There's no world building. There's no explaining it. It just sucks you in. Oh yeah. And you just you yourself start asking questions and just stay until you feel like they're answered to the point where you just don't care, because you're just so invested by the characters that inhabit this world and whatever they're trying to discover. And it's so funny because you just watch these the two main characters, the two brothers. They're just dressed so outlandishly. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you just don't know. Like even for this colonial world that they're inhabiting. You don't believe they fit, right? And like, and like, it's very clear that they don't uh, fit in because they make they don't know where they are, they don't know what's happening. But you just like, like, you don't know what kind of like 
I just don't. I like. I just didn't know what kind of adventure yeah. what was ahead of. Well, us. and you've got like you know, Greg has a pot on his head, a teapot. Yeah, yeah. Tea you know, like the whole time, and you're like, what's going on? And like the animation style is really cute, and like just their interactions between each other is really funny. You've always thought Wurt's the older brother and Greg's the younger brother, like. Greg not really paying attention to what's going on and just really like having a good time throwing candy around trying to name his frog that he's got. So <laughs> and that becomes kind of a trend throughout the whole show. And then Wirt's really trying to like get them home. That's basically like the through line of the story is like we just have to get home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where yeah. that is, you don't know how far they don't remember how they got there kind of thing. And it's really interesting is that there's so much depth to the like visuals and themes that the uh, that they put into the show and like <clears throat> One thing that's awesome is it's so recognizable as a story. Like, Mm -hmm. it is a quintessential fairy tale. Two children lost in the woods Mm -hmm. trying to find their way home in an unknown world. And, like, there's, like, a lot of Germanic imagery in there that, like, gives away to the Americana, especially as it progresses into the show. And, like, you know, just, like, everything from the woodsman to the beast to the different creatures in the show are all very fairy, fairy tale, and even like the 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 places, the unknown and yeah, the, for, the, the dark, the, unknown. the world of the unknown, really draws from like old like fairy realm myths, mm-hmm. and just like that correlation between uh, the b- the between worlds, and yeah. they do such a good job without having to explain that because they use such visual language that we as an audience recognize, even if we don't know all those myths or stories in depth as some people might yeah there's a there's, connection there's a connection there's a, a way that you watch it and you immediately know what kind of story you're about to get into it's mm-hmm. going to be weird it's going to be creepy it's going to be funny and it's all in all it's going to be relatable and does uh, the show does like a really good job of screwing with your expectations yep. uh like the second episode uh they go to this place that's just it's called Potter's, uh, Potter's, Potter's Field. Potter's Field. Field. And the inhabitants of this town are just covered in hay, and they wear these giant jack-o'-lanterns around their heads. Yep. So you never really see their bodies. You never see what they look like. But they all worship this gigantic jack-o'-lantern that like, inhabits yeah, this Yeah, it has a bunch of like, ribbons hanging down from them. They're just dancing around, having their you know, little like party <laughs> in the town. And even though there's so many like these frightening imagery of like, Pumpkin people carving pumpkins slowly with a knife, glaring at the yep. children. They, they, there's, there's like this air of, of playfulness about the whole situation. That yeah, they balance like playfulness and danger. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and like eventually at this end, where you think something super morbid's gonna happen, it just completely like flips it on its head and just says, "No, you know what? That's not how. That's not what you think it is. Like this is just normal life." Right. You know, get on with you. Yeah, and then they do a good job with the reverse where you think, oh, this is, you know, nothing. It's just like a happy-go-lucky town. And you find beneath it that there is a lot more sinister things going on. So I think it's really cool because, like, you never know what it's going to do. Like, very early on, it sets the expectation that anything can happen. Right. That both evil and good exist in this world and mm-hmm. that they play around with that a lot as far as, like, you know what to expect from that and how they can tell stories within this world all at the same time uh yeah i mean once again it gets back to that fairy tale things where like the the dangerous creatures might be allies or the the beautiful and the friendly might actually be dangerous and it all just plays on that so well like friends are maybe not who you think they are and also just like having watched the show a few times there's so many hooks like if you even like they're set up like in Potterfield. There's a gravestone in there that is of a character that you meet later on in the show. Oh, uh, what? The guy from the mansion. 
Oh, really? Oh, hey, Mr. Endercott? His grave is in that first second episode. Oh, what? So there's a bunch of ties that help connect, and I don't want to give anything away to the audience, but the you start to unravel what this world is probably an allegory yeah. for, yeah. and it sets those up so much that if you go back and watch the show, you're just like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, it was written towards it. Like, you knew it was there. Well, and it's crazy, because like, I never noticed that, but there's so much that if you just... It's there's so much rewatchability with mm, it for because sure. every time you watch it, you find something else. So you're like, oh, that's what that is. Well, and like even you just saying that, like me and John have watched it a ton of times and like have never noticed yeah. that. <laughs> but there's just so much. It's so deep, whilst at the like, you know, top level being really basic. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much depth to it once you watch it that it's really awesome. Like it's super fun. It's just a joy to watch through. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is like it's movie length. Like it's a longer movie. Yeah. Um, but you can do it in one sitting, watch it, and just get everything like all at the same time. It's super awesome. Yeah. Like 10 minute episodes, right? Yeah. 10, 10, 15, 10, 10, 15. 10, 10 minute episodes. Yeah. 10, 10 minute episodes? Yeah. yeah. It's super easy to watch. And one thing is like if you're a fan of animation, the the show itself is like almost a journey of like the history of animation too. Like it draws on from those old fashioned, like early Disney, you know, tugboat mickey and all of that stuff like is just called back a lot and just like like that dream sequence is oh. like straight up <laughs> oh, just yeah, like, no, it's, it's yeah it's very early disney and all the like early animations and stuff. so that's just a pleasure to watch happen yeah god it's so good it's just it's just it's, just, it's just something like i just i was just so happy yeah mm. like just like i stuck around and watched this show because it just gives you like well, it just got, gives you so it's, much. All the twists are super rewarding. Mm-hmm. Like and just the story as a whole when it's over, it's just so rewarding. Like I just enjoy watching it because you start you go on this journey with them, then at the end it's all over and you're like, that was awesome. Yeah. It earns every twist too. Like some of the twists aren't original, you know, after the fact, but like it the earns setup them. for them is always there's it always some part them. of original yeah. about it that makes everything earn it it nothing I've, i felt in that show made me go man that was cheap yeah you know like you didn't no. you didn't deserve what you just pulled off no i and i still think like you know i'm so glad it's one season yeah it doesn't need any more than what it has nope. but just as a singular piece of animation it is superb yeah yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah i really think everyone should watch it um hulu Who's really the only source that you yeah, can I mean, legally watch? Legally, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, they just, you know, you can just watch it all there. They just let you play all the way through. And it's just, it's a great it's a great holi- holiday and fall movie to watch because mm-hmm. it just plays on that time of year that just, it just gets you cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Cozy. It, it makes it's a little cozy, a little creepy. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Music's awesome. The music's actually oh. incredible. Oh, the soundtrack. They just yeah. released the soundtrack too. And it's man, I listen to that almost every day. Yeah. Just the whole thing. It's oh. got that kind of like pre big band era music. Uh I just love it. Like just the, you know, single, like raspy voices, like all mm-hmm. the songs. They just it really just like ties everything together. It really just has such a like 
potatoes and molasses. Yeah, exactly. It makes it it makes it feel like a real place. It's like, like it's everything like a, builds towards this one like world. It's like a kid friendly version of the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Even the really, movie, even the movie. No, actually, really, you know what? It, it's basically a kid friendly version of Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it down. it's like in a way like there's a sense of realism, but the sense, but you know, there's that a there sense of fantasy too. There's a fantasy to yeah. this. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison for sure. But yeah, um, I would say everyone should watch that. Yeah, oh, yeah. totally. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Two um, thumbs up. Two thumbs. Four out of five goosebumps. Four, <laughs> four out of five goosebumps. Five, five, out, of five, goosebumps. five, five goosebumps. Five out of five goosebumps. Five out of five goosebumps. Come five on, five goosebumps. <laughs> um, yeah, and so you can go watch on Hulu. Uh, now for I guess the last thing for this week, which is movies to try. Rowan, you go first because I haven't thought of mine yet. Great. <laughs> so. Um, this week, uh, my movie to try is Valhalla Rising. Um, Valhalla Rising is a harrowing, eerie, and dark film that follows a mute pagan warrior by the name of One Eye, who also happens to have one eye. Oh, um, oh my God. He escapes his captivity with a young boy, and he uh, joins up with a group of Scandinavian crusaders on their quest to the Holy, An- Holy Land, which finds them in a new and strange world. Ooh. Man, this movie... It was directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, I think yeah. is how you say it. Yeah. He did Drive, Bronson, The Neon Demon, and Mad Mickelson plays One Eye. And oh my God, this is a trip of a movie. Like this movie is not for everyone. It's I will so weird, man. I will not lie to you. This movie is weird. There's like hardly any dialogue. There's like a hundred and eight words spoken in the whole movie. Um, <laughs> The fight scenes are vicious and brutal and look great. Uh, There's amazing atmospheric, just like beautiful cinematography of these wonderful landscapes, which mostly has a bunch of like really ugly, brooding men staring off into the distance in them. And that's basically most of the movie. Um, (laughs) Like, not a lot of weird like dream sequences. It's like the best way to describe this film is it is a like surrealist nightmare that is set. I feel like a nightmare is very surreal on its right, own. Right, right, but like uh, the best way is like looking, it just, it's an allegorical film. You know, it talks a lot about religion and war and it, you know, really draws from both Christian judo mythology and also uh, Viking mythology. Yeah. Um, it's basically like a Viking mythology film on acid is the best way I could describe it. God, it sounds like a lot. It's, have you, you haven't seen it? Before? I have not seen it. <clears> man, <throat> I remember the first time I watched it, well, tried to watch it, I got like 30 minutes in and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And the second time I like, I, I eventually got through it and I was like, I have no idea what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> like, and it, it's, it's super like, it's one of those goofy ones. I remember it being a movie where I like, I had to kind of like, I like got it, but I like had to like look up like people yeah. talking about it just to like bounce ideas off of and be like, oh, okay. Cause like I always struggle with that, like immediately coming up with like crazy, like pushing everything together, but like through discussion, I feel like I get a lot of things. But like, I remember being, it's dense. Yeah. I guess what it kind of stood out to me is it felt like a painting. By that, I mean totally. like it felt like, like a like a 15th century painting. Yeah, 15th century <laughs> painting that had like a bunch of like symbolic imagery in it, and you would just want to stare at it and piece together what is the theme and the feeling and the emotion it's inspiring in you. Um, because it does not at all follow traditional storytelling. You know, like really it feels like the kind of movie that you watch with a bunch of people who could stomach it mm-hmm. and then talk about it for a half an hour. Um, so it's a great conversation piece, but 
So it's not for everyone, but if you like really if you if you like Vikings, if you like really good cinematography and you want to go on a real weird trippy bender, you should check out Valhalla Rising on Netflix. God, that just sounds like a lot. Mad Mi- <laughs> as soon as you said Mads Mikkelsen was in it, I was like, God, that already sounds like it's a lot. Not, <laughs> it's super crazy. It's, and hard, it's hard for me to solve any like, movies. <laughs> well, it's like one of those things like, you know Mad Mikkelsen, but this is Mad Mikkelsen. <laughs> this is like Mad Mikkelsen unchanged. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. It's It starts with this like 30 minute like fight scene in a mud. It's crazy. Like yeah, he literally like, is oh, like now the enslaved done. and he fights and fights and then he breaks out and then kills everyone that enslaved him and then just takes the one person that survived this young boy and he's like, you're with me now. Right. And he doesn't say that because he's mute. Yeah, he doesn't say that because <laughs> he doesn't say anything. <laughs> but it's, I mean, visually it's really interesting too. Like even just like taking out the story out of, out of it like visually it's super interesting just to see like because yeah there's barely a dialogue like the dialogue doesn't even really matter in the movie like it's really just yeah the things you can't visually say um you just go to a lot of different places and you even see some of the same places from so many different viewpoints that it's interesting yeah Hmm. i think also it's just like a director study like for Nicholas Reffin like Mm -hmm. watching that movie then going on to watch his other movies can really set you up to like because he did Drive like right after that one yeah Drive was his next movie or was Bronson after that no he I think oh no it was Bronson and then Drive and so like watching those movies after that kind of sets you up to like get where he was learning and where he was what he was doing with his directorial style yeah it's always fun like um, Edgar Wright's a fun one to watch it like watch his early stuff and now and you see like you get to see how they've grown and what they've realized works and what doesn't kind of thing, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, just the, his, he just knows how to use the human face without saying a word mm. and, like, making tension, and this movie is a good example of that. Nice. All right, John. All right, uh, my film of the week is something a little different. Uh, it's a documentary film called Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. Uh, it's a documentary that follows the current-aged 1982 video game world championships uh championship winners of uh the highest scores in the arcade games of the time like uh, billy mitchell uh high score for pac-man uh unbeknownst to also be donkey kong uh just and like all, all these other champions of like centipede uh um just like just arcade games uh and it may sound familiar because most of these guys are actually in the documentary film uh king of kong uh, whereas King of Kong is more sort of a narrative where you follow a hero character and Steve Wiebe and a villain and Billy Mitchell, uh, this just kind of lays out the facts. These are these guys. These are their. Uh, this the, the this is the highlight of their life for most of them. Nineteen eighty two, and it, it's kind of depending on how you look at it. It kind of, it's kind of a bummer because other than Billy Mitchell, a lot of these guys didn't really accomplish anything in their lives. But they still get to hold on to this fact that they are champions with these high scores, gods among insects in their own right. Um, I personally, I rewatch this film all the time. Uh, I think it's just so fascinating um, <laughs> in, in a dark sense uh, because it makes me feel a little bit better about myself. But also just like just watching these guys' passion of how well they understood these games, how how well uh it made sense to them when they were kids uh the, just like listening to their the how they described the highs of their life during this time but also listening to the lows of them is also pretty humbling um 
it's it's just one of those things like I I can't I'm not really giving it justice, but if you're really into old arcade uh history and just like watching if you if you like watching people on Twitch. I'm pretty sure you're gonna like watching this movie because it's like because it just a lot of them just give tips and tricks on how they beat their games and just uh, how they even to this day a lot of them still play the game and kind of try to keep their high score and it's really fascinating. Um, I actually wanted to talk about it because it was on sale on Voodoo.com uh, digitally and I I bought it immediately because I I couldn't get a real copy of it in a long while um, and I really think I I really think you should check it out especially if you like the King of Kong. had a thought what's had, up bud I, I just had a thought and then it totally just vanished from my brain so it's a, it's a doc style film it is a, it's a pure yeah, documentary it's pure a pure documentary. documentary yeah what what year uh 2000 no 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 that's not 1940 oh, no, 2007 sorry. oh i guess it was 2007 yeah it was like it was a long while ago because it came out like a year or two after king of kong yeah there was like a i feel like you know that period there was quite a bit of like retro game documentaries that came out nah, not really it was really just kind of king of kong uh, okay. that, that came out and everyone was kind of wowed by it uh but it was it definitely painted billy mitchell in sort of an unfair light right oh totally uh and it's one of those things like you know, like yeah it's even in this documentary he comes off a little pompous and seemed kind of like a dick but it's one of those things like you know what game recognizes game he still held these records, totally. Like, and he was still recognized for it. And like, well, and he's interesting because he's done a lot of like interviews since then, talking about how he kind of played it up a little bit too. Oh yeah, like he played up the villain role, like because you know it's just you know their opportunity to be on camera, like right. You know, you're gonna take what you want. So, I I love King of Kong. So I've I've John was talking about this the other day. I never even heard of it. Um, so. I'm definitely, I want to watch it. Sounds interesting. Sounds fun. Because those are always just like, it's just interesting to see those players at just like the highest level. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, people always give like video games a lot of crap for them not being difficult. When you watch those high level guys, like they're doing stuff that like, I just could never, like they're playing hundreds and thousands of hours of the oh, same yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of them still are only, you know, not even in the top with doing that. Yeah. So it's just super interesting to watch these the high level players do that kind of stuff because it's all and like see their motivation too. Yeah, and it's really kind of fun because like there's like there's like a moment where one of them is uh, at a barcade and he's just asking the owner, "Hey, you know, is it okay if I stay here Friday, Sunday, Saturday night just so I can do a marathon of this one arcade machine?" And it's one of those things like, like any like he must be he must be in his fifties and just going like and just like how cool how neat just like. Just like you should, you're still in your A game for this game, and you just love it so much that you're willing to do almost a 24 hour binge on it. It's like it's just so fascinating. That's so intense. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. I really like it. I think I almost I almost would rate it higher than uh, King of Kong purely as a uh, because King of Kong can sometimes feel a little too fictional mm. at times. Mm. Even though like Steve Wie- Weeby's a great guy to root for. This is just more interesting broad even, sense. They're not even the top anymore. Though. No, he's not. No, no. Now now some surgeon. Is like the top. No, no, no. Not even a surgeon. There's some guy that practiced on a an emulator is now the t- champion of Donkey Kong. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. Have Crazy. I talked about your name before? <laughs> no. Okay. No. So. We yeah. watched your. No wait. Yeah, we watched your name when he was gone. What? What are you talking about? Your name. Your name. That movie came out months ago. He's been gone for months. 
No, no. A month and a half. <laughs> it's, we saw that like earlier this year. Did we? Oh, yeah. It was a long time ago. Talk about it. Tell us about it. So, uh, Your Name is an anime. Um, feature film uh, is directed by Makoto Shinkai, I guess. I don't know. Um, he's been kind of building up a reputation over the past several years in um, the Japanese anime film industry. Um, he's had a couple of movies and some shorts that you know people might have seen. Garden of Words is one of his things. Um, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, uh, Five Centimeters Per Second. Those are kind of his ones that if you are in tune with the anime world you might have seen at some point um but your name is it's basically a body switching movie i'm about these two kids who live in japan uh one girl um mitsuha who lives in the uh kind of like the country. rural country area and then you have the uh the boy taki who lives in japan like in tokyo I don't know I said in Japan. They all live, yeah, they they all live in Japan. It's all in <laughs> He lives in like Tokyo. He lives in the city, goes to school there. And it's basically one day they wake up and they're, they think they're just dreams at first of living this other life. And then you find out through the course of the movie that they are switching bodies periodically. It doesn't seem like there's anything causing it. It's just <clears> random. One day they'll wake up and then the other. And it's really cool because you get to see this, what I think is nice, because it's the first time you see a body switching movie where they're not like, close to each other that they're like communicating mm-hmm. so they start to write like notes to each other to like keep each other up so they can like keep their lives together still while they try to figure out basically what's going on um and then it becomes basically the story about how they change each other's lives through how they're acting and really like t- you know building each other up by saying hey you need to stand up to these people or you need to like you know go out there more, you know, uh, ask girls out and stuff like that. And so they really build this really cool relationship. Um, and it's just told in like a really cool way. And really it's the best way to describe it. It's told in a very anime way <laughs> where like, there's a lot of like music and it's a lot of like fast, like movement. And I think they just do a really good job of telling this really cool story about these two characters and how their lives are so vastly different, but, they still come together at the end, which is really cool. Um, there's a lot of like kind of twists near the end as they start to figure out some really what, heavy stuff. Yeah. There's some really <laughs> heavy stuff in this. And that's what I think is like the most interesting about it was it was, it, they kind of start to figure out like what it is causing this like body switching thing. And as you start to figure those things out, the story really starts to hit its stride as far as like the emotional uh, like steps that you're going through. Um, they help you deal with through the characters, a lot of stuff like loss and like love and all this different stuff that is done in such an interesting way that like, I don't know. It was just like, it hit, it hits you hard. Makoto Shinkai, he's, if you don't, if you're not familiar with any of his films, he's very good at doing something like very slice of life that really hits a very real point. Mm. to its audience mm-hmm. sometimes a little too real <laughs> yeah uh, yeah even in this weird fantasy world you're still dealing with like this relationship and just the idea that it might never happen because of the distance between them yeah and just like this and in in his other movies he has displayed that he won't just pull those characters together at the end because in the movie five centimeters per second you basically get to see the story of these two kids who were basically the best of friends this girl this boy at like um, when they were kids and how they were inseparable and you basically watch them like diverge from each other 
and fall away yeah. to the point where they high don't school even, sweethearts to yeah, just to nothing, nothing where they don't even talk to each other and remember each other anymore. And it's just like heart wrenching stuff. And so like knowing that he does that and watching this movie, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and you, but it's all this real stuff of just like life gets in your way with stuff. Like there's distance is a real issue. Like yeah. a lot of these important like stories that a lot of people go through and it makes you, it really hits you hard and it really makes it super interesting. And it at the same time is so genuine with everything. Like the relationship they build, they build such a good way. Like it's all very, Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. It's very, very earnest. Between very, Mitsuha yeah. and Taki is really interesting. And like, I, I I got really close to tearing up. It was like <laughs> it was all welled up. It was all welled up, man. And it's one of those like I, you just think about it and like animation wise, it's oh gorgeous. Does some of the best like <laughs> it's some of the best animation I've ever seen. It's one of those things where like man, it looks like they shot that, but I know they didn't yeah. because it's not real. But it's just like yeah, that, some of the scenery that suspension. Like, God, it's just nuts. Uh, the scenery is incredible. Uh, both this. Uh, sub and the dub are really good oh, that's good. um i like to both i watched them both um it's coming out soon it's kind of hard to like find unfortunately but it does come out in like two weeks i think on blu-ray okay. and you can pre-order them on amazon right now it's like 30 bucks is like most animes are unfortunately um the music is incredible like really good stuff and what's cool about the music was um it's made by this um j-pop band called radwimps um and what's cool is there's i think four members of them and they all there's like four main themes throughout the whole uh movie they each separated themselves from each other and wrote a song based on the story and then they filled in those songs to where like they fit oh how neat so that's what's cool about like they separate that at least i read that you know like they basically split up and they wrote different themes based on what part of the movie that it was going to go into oh neat so music's awesome like it's incredible i think it's one of those ones where it's a really good gateway because it's such an approachable story it's not anything crazy like you expect when you watch cartoons or anything i think it's really approachable no, pro- like it, it begins there's obviously some cultural <laughs> stuff that is not immediately understandable because they pull on some different culture stuff sure. that is only in japan and not really in america but uh it's really well done i would say it's definitely something you need to watch. It has really blown up recently a lot too because it passed Spirited Away as for mm. the number one animated like anime movie of all time. What? Um, yeah. Really? That yeah, can't it's number be one. true. Number one. Uh, so it made a lot of waves, especially in Japan. Like it was a huge deal, and it was one of those things where the director was even talking about it because everyone was like, "Oh, he's the next." Uh, Miyazaki and he's like oh no 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 no, guys please don't like I I don't want that because that is too much have you seen him yeah so grumpy (laughs) (laughs) so I would definitely recommend it it's a really cool body switching movie it's a really sweet story it really can pull on your emotions with what it's told and it's beautifully done and I would definitely recommend it sweet I'm gonna totally check it out yeah I don't know. I just it's always great, especially because I feel like anime can sometimes get a bad rap, um, especially from Western audiences. It's just like just kind of being that like, oh boy, what are we getting into? (laughs) But like, really, as like animation goes, just like like the the power of animated storytelling, like it's awesome to find anime movies where you're just like, oh yeah, like these are like so solid 
in telling stories and telling human stories or even unhuman stories, yeah. but like telling stories that like resonate. Yeah. So I'm super stoked to check this out. Yeah, that's what's crazy. As far as just like just how real it is, as well as being, you know, it's a body switching, but let's just the stories and relationships that are there are so good that like that's what sells you on everything. Well, we talk about like, you know, slice of life. It's a genre yeah. in anime that only can exist in anime. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird, yeah, slice of life just literally it's fun just watching I don't know. There it's something that like with this movie in particular, some anime obviously you can't just make like a version. Like this didn't even necessarily need to be an anime. But like because it is, it just amplifies everything a little bit more and really gets you to feel a little bit more. But Rob, don't worry, because for those who are too mature for anime, J.J. Abrams is in the works to make a live action remake in America of your name, probably with the set tunes of Kenny Loggins' uh, <laughs> uh, Danger Zone, uh, <laughs> uh, American <laughs> Tattoos <laughs> everywhere, you know? <laughs> Just really, just really, you know, spices up. Probably be on Netflix. Probably get a, a great, a uh, great yeah. adaptation like uh, Death Note. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, good, good, good. <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of it for this week. Um, so, I... great to have you back, Rowan. Yeah, it's great to be back. I mean, it's fun. Whatever. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Screw you, bro. Screw you, <laughs> Okay. I'm going to the crowd on this one. <laughs> uh, majority rules, Rowan. Uh, you suck. Okay. <laughs> um, but to Europe. Uh, in closing, if you guys would like to see more um, and hear more, we're going to start doing some more stuff and try to like branch out with doing some other content. Um, if you guys would comment on either the facebook page or youtube letting us know what you want it'd be greatly appreciated we'd like to hear from you guys um and if you know you know people who like film stuff if you want to pass around the podcast let people you know listen to it i would uh all of us here greatly appreciate it um and we'll be with you guys next week yeah thanks folks have a good night guys bye bye